to this. We're in the book of Hosea. Pastor Stu, two weeks ago, kind of did an outline for us. And, and I'll tell you, as I started digging into this book, 14 chapters, I could have probably preached 14 weeks, uh, realistically, uh, but definitely could have done two or three or four weeks in this particular book alone. So I'm going to be at 10,000 feet, and I'm going to dive down a couple times and give you a little bit more detail, a little bit more meat, and I'll come back up, and we'll fly high today. Amen? And, we'll, and, I, and I pray and, and hope and believe that we'll teach you some things that you didn't know. How many of you read this book last week as your homework assignment? Hey, praise God. You guys outdid the first service. I was like, like three hands for a service. Don't worry. I beat them up for that, but it's all right. Minor prophets. Um, how many of you were confused in reading that? You know, the, yeah, a little bit, huh? I start getting into those later chapters. It's a little bit like, oh, what the heck? Hopefully I'll help you with some of that. But the, the, the Minor Prophets is really the, the, the series that we're in, 12 weeks, talking about each book. Next week is Joel. It's only three chapters, so read it a couple times this week, uh, if you would. Uh, but this is a, a, a group of books. It's at the end of your Old Testament, all right? And it goes from uh, Hosea all the way to Malachi. Some call him Malachi. I don't know why, but the, his name is Malachi. And there's 12 books there that closes out the Old Testament, and they're not called... Minor prophets, because their message is not major. Their message is very major. They're called the minor prophets because the books are a little bit smaller than the major prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah. Okay, uh, So that's why they're called minor prophets. The message is every bit as important. And Pastor Stu, like I said, throw up that timeline for me. He, he, he presented this to us uh, last time. And, and in your Bible, even though Hosea is the first book of the minor prophets, it isn't necessarily fall in the chronological timeline in the order of the prophets of the Old Testament. You can see there Hosea is actually at the very end of Israel's northern kingdom. Uh, the last, he was the last prophet to Israel in the north uh, during their time before they went back into captivity and stayed there for a while until you see in Edom a little while later. Um, but anyway, Hosea closes out that chapter of their life. Uh, so don't be confused when you read your Bible. Remember, Pastor Stu told us this isn't necessarily laid out chronologically, is it? Just put in there in order of however the Lord led when the Bible was inspired. Amen? So, uh, so some of the prophecy, put that back up there. Most of the prophecy is, is towards the north in Israel. Some of the prophecy has to do with Judah, okay? Uh, they had more kings than the northern kingdom did, uh, but... It is what it is. Isaiah, I mean, Hosea prophesied for a pretty long period of time. In chapter 1, I'm not going to read it to you, but it said there from Uzziah to Hezekiah. Now, Uzziah was king for almost 30 years. Uh, so then there was a several kings in between him and Hezekiah. So we think there was about 59, 60 years that Hosea actually prophesied to the northern territory of Israel, the northern uh, provenance, what do you call them, northern, huh, northern kingdom, there you go, provenance, that works too, right, I don't know why I'm tongue-tied, probably because I haven't prayed yet, huh, we'll do that right now, Lord, thank you for an opportunity again to, to teach your word, and uh, your word is powerful, it is it is anointed. It is able to set forth what you wrote it to accomplish in our lives. And, uh, today, this message can be a little weighty. Uh, it can be a little um, 
trying in our lives. It can be a little eye-opening. So I pray that you would help me just to rest my spirit right now and to speak everything the Holy Spirit would have me to say. Help me just to articulate this message. Let the ears of the hearer be open. Let us all leave this place closer to Jesus than when we walked in the door. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So he prophesied from 785 to 725 B.C., about 60 years. This is the longest prophetic book uh, of the minor prophets in, in, the, in the 12. Um, so there's a lot of material here. But let me just help you right out the gate because when you read chapters 1 through 3, it's a description of an adulterous wife and a faithful husband. And it's much like the, it's a symbolic of the unfaithful unfaithfulness Israel was, was towards God. The unfaithful relationship that Israel was having towards God is what this symbolizes. Now, the next 11 chapters, four or 3 through 14, it shows the condemnation, if you will. It shows, the, it shows what happens to Israel because of their worship of other idols. So what's going on in our story is, is Israel is, is deciding to marry up with, Jew, or with uh, Baal worshipers. They're leaving, they're, they're leaving their God and the worship of their God, and they're marrying up and they're leaking arms with Baal worshipers. And so God's a little bit ticked off, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But the name Hosea, it actually means this. If you have a bulletin and you feel like filling it out, um, please do. His name means help deliverance, or salvation, all right? Help, deliverance, or salvation. The names Joshua and Jesus are derived from the same name. So it tells you that Hosea, his, his whole ministry, his whole, his whole anointing, the whole call of, of God on his life, his whole purpose is to try to uh, bring deliverance, salvation, and restoration to the people of Israel. So what's going on? The northern kingdom of Israel was at the end of the road, as you saw in that timeline. They just kind of fall off the map after that. Sin was widespread. Religious, moral, and political corruption was all over the place. And no, I'm not reading out of today's newspaper. I'm reading from the Word of God. One word sums up the condition of Israel. Prostitution. I won't say what the King James calls it because there's children in the room. That word is used 13 times throughout the book of Hosea. Hosea's personal life shows and demonstrates the poor relationship that God was having with his children. It's the whole purpose of this book, to paint a picture of what's going on with the children of Israel and the relationship that has been severed with the one true God. Like Gomer cheated on Hosea, Israel was cheating on God. Anybody ever cheat on God? I got three honest people in the room today. We all have cheated on God. You didn't come out of the mama's womb with a bumper sticker that says, I love Jesus on you. Amen? You didn't come out with a gold cross hanging around your neck. Jesus! No, we all were born into sin. Amen? Every one of us cheated God for a season until we said yes to the Lord. So let me just release you from any condemnation right now, amen? We feel like as Christians sometimes we got to be perfect, holier than thou. Let's just say it. Let's just be honest with each other in the room, can't we? I don't know it all, and I don't want to. And sometimes I'm stuck on stupid, amen? amen. Right? Okay. Yeah. 
we have friends visiting from Washington, so I'm just kind of transparent. So either you love me or you hate me, you know what I mean? It's all good. Did somebody woo me? Thank you, Michelle. But as I read this book, here's the picture that I got about a grieving lover longing for the return of the love of his life who had left him for other lovers. And that's the heart of God towards you and I. He's longing for the people that he loves to come back to him. See, he didn't create any accidents. He didn't create people by mistake. He didn't create some to spend eternity with him, some to go to hell. He's not like that. He woulds that all would come to repentance, that all would be in relationship with him, that all would go to heaven one day and spend an eternity with him. That's what his heart is, and that's what the book of Hosea is about because despite of the unfaithfulness, Hosea was relentless to pursue Gomer and be sinned. Despite of our unfaithfulness, God is relentless to pursue a relationship with you and with me. He was determined. Hosea was determined to pay any price it took to get his bride back. And can I tell you, God sent his son Jesus to die on that cross. Well, not that one. But to die on a cross because he is relentlessly pursuing a love relationship with you. One single verse, I believe, sums up this whole book. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. I read it in several translations. I like the NIV the best. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Hosea is telling the children of Israel, Look, you're like me. You're like me and my relationship with Gomer. My wife has cheated on me, and you've cheated on God, and you need to return back to him because he loves you in spite of it. Hosea is a story of a broken vow, a broken home, a broken heart, and a broken life. And God gave us this story so that we would learn and understand God's faithfulness and relentless love towards us. And that's why I titled this sermon today, Relentless Love. Because God never gives up on his people. He never gives up on his people. He never gives up on you. You may give up on yourself. Others may give up on you, but God never will. He's not up there like, I lost that one. I lost that one and I'll never get him back. He is not saying that. He is saying, they may stray for a while, but they are my people. I love them, and I will do anything. I will turn over heaven, and I will turn over earth, and I will turn over hell in order to capture their attention. How can, can I get a witness? How many of you has he gone into the pit of hell to rescue you out of darkness? Sorry about the four-letter word there. It's not something I throw around, it's the truth. We're speaking about Israel here, okay? I taught... God is, number one. You said it. God is a God of love. We learned that during VBS. God is a God of love. He loves his people and he relentlessly pursues after them. This whole story about Hosea loving and going after Gomer is an illustration of that. Another illustration that I think of is is like a, a father who loves his child. How many How many dads do we have in the room? Man, I wouldn't do anything for my kids. 
I would go into the most vile place of the world. I would go into the most dangerous situation there is possible in the world to rescue my children. And that's God. Hosea 11.1 says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. See, because God loves his people, he blesses them abundantly, and he nurtures them patiently. Aren't you glad about that? How many of you are patient? Praise God. Can you come up here and pray for me? Because I am not that patient. <laughs> you just might as well pray for it because he's going to give you things to be patient. I used to say all the time, I don't pray for patience because I don't. You might as well pray for it. At least you're going to be aware of the situations that are coming at you that make you impatient, right? Because you know they're coming when you're praying for it. Look at Hosea chapter 11, verse 3 and 4. It says, I taught Ephraim to walk. Wait a second. Let me help you here with Ephraim, okay? When you read that, how many of that kind of like, what's that mean? Well, Ephraim is one of the tribes of Israel. Actually, it was the largest tribe of Israel. So many times the, the scripture refers to Ephraim. It's actually referring to the entire tribe, or all 12 tribes, to the nation of Israel. So when you see that, you're still talking to Israel, okay? So he says, I taught Ephraim to walk. I taught the children of, of Israel to walk, taking them by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I drew them with gentle cords, with bands of love, and I was to them as those who take the yoke from their neck. I stooped and I fed them. I'm not going to grab you by the arm, bro. But I, but I get this picture. Okay, I'm going to. I get this picture of God just taking us by the arm as we're trying to stray away. God, wait, God's stronger than, and I'm stronger than you. Let's go to the gym right now. No. And... And, and God is just, but actually God's bigger than I am compared to Dean. So God, God, stoo- God stoops down, amen. That's the picture I got when I read that verse. I was like, man, God, is, God, God came to my level. God came to my level to identify with me. Don't get me wrong. He didn't, he didn't disobey his word. He didn't become, well, Jesus became sin, amen. He came to my level and he said, Ron Wilson, Actually, he really loves me, and I let him get away with this. He said, Ronnie, Ronnie, you're mine. The darkest time of my life, he shed light. So Hosea's wife, Gomer, she prostituted herself. She literally ended up on the sex slave block to be sold as a sex slave. And God told Hosea, go to the auction and buy back your wife. Get your wife. I just have this picture. I don't know if you think about verses like this sometimes. And, and you kind of play that out in your mind. And I thought about the scene, what that would have looked like in that time when Hosea went to get Gomer, and she's up on the auction block. And, and you've got to remember the times. This was out in front of everybody. This wasn't done in some back room. She was probably in the city center, up on a literal block, naked and abused and scared and broken and lost without hope or happiness. And I can, I can imagine the auction starting, and I probably... I don't know what they were using for forms of money. I didn't dig into that. But I'm sure that, that the bidding started really low because 
Gomer was a fallen woman. She was going to sell for pretty cheap. And I could just picture Hosea in the background and, and, and a man who doesn't have very much bidding all that he has in order to rescue the woman that he loves. And I thought about that as, as I thought about my life and, and some of the choices I made before Christ and, and the lifestyle that I chose to live and how I rejected and I pushed God away from my life and I... And I, and I held him at a distance, and I didn't want to even believe in him. I, I, just, I wanted to believe in a higher power, but not God. And God bid all that he had. He sent his son. And I thought about Hosea going up to his wife. She probably didn't even know who bought her. She's probably thinking, this is it. Maybe he approached her, put a robe on her, put his arms around her, whispered in her ear, and maybe for the first time she recognized his voice. Wow, that just hit me because I remember the first time I experienced Jesus in my life. And I don't know if I heard his voice audibly or not. I'm not sure. It was tangible. I don't really remember that part. I just remember... Something in me changed. Something in me leapt. I just remember, and I imagine this is how Gomer felt. All of a sudden, from out of nowhere, there was hope in my life. For the first time in, I don't know how long, there was real hope. And that's the picture I get when I think about the auction block. And I wonder how many of us Satan have put up on that block to be sold into slavery for all of our life. And Jesus says, I'll place the highest bid. God is a God of relentless love. And I wanted you to hear that because my next two points are pretty pointed. I don't want to make apologies for the word of God, but if you want to wear sandals, I'm going to step on your toes right now. But don't do it. Oh my God. So my second point today is God is a God of holiness. I talk a lot about holiness. It's too important not to. Too many churches want to avoid the topic of holiness because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want people to leave the church because of because of the mandate that I put on them. But I am not putting a mandate on you. God is putting. He's the one that calls us to holiness. He, he expects people to learn his word. That's part of being holy, learning the word of God. You can't be like somebody unless you know about them. And the only way to know about God is to read his word and to pray and to hang around with other people that know him a little bit better than you. Hosea chapter 4 says this in verse 1 and 2. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing, and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Doesn't it sound like today's world? A lot of the things that we face today has already been faced, amen? It's already been done. That's why God wrote us a book, and he's pretty clear when you start digging in. I'll tell you, over the next 12 weeks, these messages are going to be similar. 
Because a lot of the prophecy are the same. You left God, come back. You left your first love, come back. You left the things of the Lord and you started worshiping the things of Baal, come back to me. See, God will never give up on his kids. He won't stop until he has you where he wants you. You can run if you want. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you rejected knowledge, I also reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget Verse 12, chapter 8, written for him the great things of my law, but they were considered a strange thing. Listen, the things of God should not seem strange to the children of God. Holiness should not be the elephant in the room. Holiness should not be a topic that we want to avoid because it seems strange to talk about, because God wants us to be like him. Why do we want to avoid this topic when it's so in our face? Everywhere I look in the Word of God, God is saying, be holy because I'm holy. If you want the things of God, if you want a better relationship, pursue holiness. He also expects us to stay away from and avoid, avoid harmful influences. Hosea 7, 8, and 9, it says, Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Now, we already talked about that. Israel was leaving the worship of God, marrying people who worshipped Baal, becoming confused. Well, I'll worship God on Sundays, and I'll worship Baal Monday through Saturday. He goes on to say, Ephraim is a cake unturned. Anybody ever make pancakes? Who likes pancakes? How many of you would eat this pancake if I made it like this? Threw it on the grill and left it there till it burned on one side, picked it up and served it to you. That's what's going on here. That's what God is saying. That's what the prophet is saying. Look, you're burnt on one side and you're no good on the other. That's what, you want an interpretation of that verse? That's exactly what he is saying. Verse 9 says, aliens have devoured his strength, but he does not know it. Yes, we'll, we'll leave the gray hair thing out of this. Gray hairs are here and there on him. Oh, it doesn't apply to me because they're everywhere on me. Gray hairs are here and there on him, yet he doesn't know it, and I'm very aware of it. Thank you for letting me know. People ask me all the time, do you dye your hair that way? Why would I do that? I mean, it looks good. I mean, it's a good color, really. For gray, it's a great color, but I don't know that I would dye it that way. So he expects us to... To pursue holiness. He expects us to avoid harmful influences. And he, he, he wants people to sow righteousness and not wickedness. He says this. He talks about this in chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Sow for yourself righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up. Anybody just want to reap in mercy? I'd just love to be reaping in mercy. I'd love God to just, his mercy just, just empower me and encompass my life. Amen. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Can I tell you that that's what time it is? Anybody know what time it is? It's time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Verse 13 says, you have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way 
in a multitude of your mighty men. See, don't trust men over the word of God. Here's what I admonish the first service, and there's more youth in this service, so I need to hit this. Listen, young people, don't marry up with unbelievers. Don't hook up with unbelievers. Don't start dating Mr. Unbeliever. I don't care how good-looking he is. I don't care how beautiful she is. I don't care how white her teeth are. Don't unequally yoke yourself with unbelievers because that's what God is warning us against here. People left God and started marrying people who were worshiping Baals. And I don't, oh, well, I'll get them saved because I'm all that. No, you won't. You don't have the ability to do that. I'll tell you what will happen, young person. They will drag you down. You are who you hang out with. You want to know who you're going to become in five years? Look at who you're hanging out with. Whoa, I told you I was going to step on your toes a little bit. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's the truth. Hang out in a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. Amen. It's going to happen, people. Because of God's holiness, he cannot tolerate sin, people. Habakkuk says this in chapter 1, verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. When we entertain sin, when we embrace sin, when we let go of the things of God and start entertaining the things of Baal, what are the things of Baal, Pastor Ron? They're anything that has to do with the world system. They're alcoholism. They're drug addiction. They're sexual addiction. There's anything that you put before God. There's anything that you put in excess. Anything that you do more than worshiping God is probably a problem for you. Amen? Those are what Baals are. Any idols in our life, anything that we esteem higher than our walk with God. I can't wait to get out of here, Pastor Ron, because i got all these plans. No, you should sit under the Word of God. You know I'm going to end on time. I always do. So don't rush me. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. You want to know why? <laughs> Listen to this. If our sin could be tolerated by God, His love would be weak. Think about that. If he could tolerate our sin, his love for us would be weak. It wouldn't be as strong as it is. But here's the kicker. God still loves us in spite of our sin. Hosea was commanded to go and show his love again to a woman who left him for other loves. You can apply that personally, too, if you'd like. Hosea 3 verse 1 says, Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel. This is God's word. This isn't me. I'm not mad at anyone here. I promise. I love you guys. Hosea 2 verse 23 in the message it says, I will show my love to the one called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say what? You are my God. You know what? You know what? All, the only thing God wants to hear from you is, is you to say, you are my God. You are my God. Yeah, I entertain these things every once in a while. Yeah, I fall into temptation every once in a while. Yeah, I fall short of the glory of God every once in a while. Yeah, I sin daily. Yeah, I do. But you are my God. Jose was called to love Gomer, and God would restore her. See, there is nobody beyond God's reach. Listen, you have a son or a daughter who has been out there running amok, 
doing their thing, and you're about to lose hope. And as some of the oh, listen to the Lord off, today. Don't you being a wild quit tree were before the miracle happens. Don't quit before the miracle. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop hoping for their salvation. You got prayed in. You keep praying until they're in. We can't do this on our own. We need the Lord. Number three, God is a God of justice. This one's going to hurt a little more than the last one. But God cannot let sin go unpunished. Hosea 9.9 9 says they are deeply corrupted as in the day of Gibeah. Now listen, go home and read Judges 19 and 20 if you want to know what they're talking about here. But I'll tell you, sexual sin was running amok. So God is saying they are deeply corrupted as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sin. Can I tell you something? Your sin can be forgiven, but there are consequences for your sin. There is the law of sowing and reaping. The illustration I gave this morning is I cannot become the president of the United States. You want to know why? Because I actually inhaled. Okay? More than once. Add a few felonies to that, and they probably won't let me be president. So there are some consequences. If I wanted to run for president, they probably would say it's probably not a good idea. You're an inhaler. Not anymore. <laughs> Got it? There are consequences to continued disobedience in our life. God is forgiving, but there are consequences. I want to talk about the elephant in the room in most churches today. See, God's response to unfaithfulness is shown in the names of Hosea's children. Look at these. These are in your notes. Jezreel. God scatters or judgment. For this, for us, this name is a warning that to reject God is to remove ourselves from the covering of God. God loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to build you up. But when you turn your back on him, you walk away from his covering. He still loves you. He doesn't love you any less. But he can't bless something that he opposes. Number two, or letter B, lo rahama. It means not loved. The right relationship with God allows us to see God's love and grace, even in judgment. I love Psalm 103, verse 13. It says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Let her see. The last child, they named him Lo-Ami. It comes from... Two Hebrew words. First is lo, meaning not. The second is ami, meaning people, not my people. It literally means this, drifting away from God to the point of being disowned. The elephant in the room in most churches that I want to talk about is this thought of being once saved, always saved. I have a little bit of doctrinal issue with that statement. I love the way Mr. Mike here puts it. You can't lose your salvation, but you can walk away from it. And if you have a hard time with that, that's Old Testament, Pastor Ron. You're preaching from the Old Testament. Let me give you Romans chapter 11, verses 17 through 21. I want you to take this home because I'm not going to spend much more time on this. But I will say that you cannot say you love God and behave and act any way you want to and expect to go to heaven. 
I cannot come in here and worship God and praise Jesus, go out there, slam some dope in my arm, and murder somebody purposely saying that I'm going to get to heaven anyway. It doesn't matter what I do. It just doesn't work that way. If you did that today, could you still repent? Yes. Yes, that's the beautiful thing about repentance. But you can't get so cocky that you run around as a Christian acting any way you want to, expecting to go to heaven. Amen? I yelled at you enough about that one. Let's look at Romans chapter 11. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them, and became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say, then, branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. But don't be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. It's not me. It's the word of God. The, the doctrine of once saved, always saved is not, is, you can't hang your hat on that. You have to stay in relationship with him. You have to stay committed to him. You have to stay in love with him. You can't come on Sunday and say, yes, Jesus, one time, walk away and go live however you want to. It doesn't work that way in the family. of God is looking for people who are holy, who love him, who are willing to sacrifice. I'll tell you what, getting high is easy. Serving Jesus is the hardest thing I ever did. Isaiah 14, 9 says this, For the ways of the Lord are right, the righteous walk in them. But it's the most joyful thing I've ever done. I hope nobody's mad at me for this. Christians today have not run as far from God as Gomer has, but some have. We have less obedience and more convenience than ever before. A lot of people treat God like he's half-hearted in their lives, like he's, he's tipped like a waiter and used like a vending machine, tipped like a bad waiter and used like a vending machine. And I've seen some of you guys kicking those vending machines trying to get free candy. No, I'm kidding. Number four, God is a God of mercy. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we're getting to something good again? I'm glad he's a God of mercy because I'll tell you what, I have slapped God in the face. I've turned my back on God in the past. I've said no to him beckoning me. I've, had, I've said no to him asking me to do something, even recently. Come on, are we all immune to this? You know the nudge of the Lord. Give that guy a dollar. I'm not giving that guy a dollar, Lord. You give him a dollar. I'm trying to. <laughs> right? 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 He called on his people to repent. That's what this book is about. The whole, the, the last 11 chapters of this book is, is God showing them their sin and saying, just come back. It's, just come back. Hosea 14, 1 says, Oh, Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Verse 4 says, he will heal those who return to him. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. Aren't you glad that God doesn't stay mad forever? I have given God enough to be mad at me forever. Listen, I deserve hell. Anything better than hell is better than I deserve. But guess where I'm going? I'm going to heaven, amen? 
Because I love Jesus with all of my heart. I serve him with all of my being every day that I can. And when I make mistakes, I repent and ask God for forgiveness. God is a God of mercy. And it's his desire to bring you back into relationship with him. Relationships, they require some things. They require commitment. They require a mutual response. And they also require sacrifice. And that's the one that we don't want to talk about too much. See, God has been faithful at keeping his end of the relationship. But have we? It's not God who's been unfaithful. It's us. We're the problem. The truth is this. Jehovah God, the creator of the universe, our savior and redeemer, looked beyond our faults and extended mercy to us. Are you glad about that? Hosea is a picture of a God who wants to redeem those who he loves. And listen, child of God, somebody here needs to hear this. I know you've been down a tough road. I know you've made some major mistakes that you don't feel can be forgiven, but God would say to you, yes, you can be. Hosea is a picture of a God who wants to redeem those who love. The, the problem is not many in Hosea's time took his message ser- seriously, and there was only a remnant that returned after the restoration. Today, God's redeeming love comes through Jesus Christ. The propitiation the sacrifice for our sins. But sadly, not many take his message seriously either. Because Hosea chapter 4, verse 9 says, The way of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. Who are you today? Are you of the righteous or are you of the transgressors? Two things I want to say in closing. Two calls today. God's relentless love is unconditional. Hosea understood that firsthand. Gomer understood that like any, nobody else's business. The question is, have you? Have you accepted the love of God? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Has you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of Lords of your life? Tell him you've gone astray. Tell him you've drifted. He wants to hear it. He already knows it. Number two, the name Gomer actually means complete. God used a woman, a prostitute, whose name means complete to give us a picture today that no matter what you've done, his salvation is complete for you. God can and does and will complete you. Don't leave here today with your baggage. either one of those two points, if you are somebody who has been carrying baggage, if you are somebody who has been carrying shame like Gomer, if you are somebody who, who said yes to Jesus and you loved him and you followed him and all of a sudden you find yourself a little bit of a stray and you need to get right with him, I want you to stand to your feet. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you want to do that today, I want you to stand to your feet. Don't be embarrassed. I'm already standing. You know what, sweetie? I go astray too. 
Sometimes I make the wrong decision. Sometimes I, I trip up. Sometimes I stumble and I don't realize it till I'm bleeding off the nose. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes it's tough to be honest. Sometimes it's tough to be transparent. Full of, you're in a church full of people who love you, and never judge you. I'm proud of those that are standing today that would say, yes, I want more of Jesus. If that's your prayer, the rest of you, if you would say, I want more of Jesus than I had when I came in the door, stand with us, would you? Jesus, we love you. Help us, Lord. Help us to follow you. Help us to turn from our sin. Forgive us, Lord, when we've gone astray. We love you, Jesus. Sometimes our love gets tainted. Sometimes our love gets torn between different opinions. Sometimes our our love gets confused. But, Lord, you are the one we choose today. God, if there's one who stood today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, if, if they would just say in their heart right now, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I repent and I turn away and I accept the gift of salvation. They will be saved because your word says if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, we are saved. Help us to live for you. Help us to walk as closely to you as we possibly can. We know there'll be bumps in the road. Help us to forgive ourselves of the shortcomings that we have experienced in our life. Help us to give ourselves a little bit of slack that you're not looking for perfection. You're just looking for people who will love you. Bless our day. Bless our week. God, I know it's hot out there, but cool us all down supernaturally somehow, some way. Let us share the love of Jesus with those that don't know you everywhere we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.